Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Hey, I'm Ryan Reynolds. Recently, I asked Mint Mobile's legal team if big wireless companies are allowed to raise prices due to inflation. They said yes. And then when I asked if raising prices technically violates those onerous two-year contracts, they said, what the f*** are you talking about, you insane Hollywood ass. So to recap, we're cutting the price of Mint Unlimited from $30 a month to just $15 a month. Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows full terms at mintmobile.com. Wow. Welcome to the Abroad Japan podcast, probably the best way of learning about life in Japan without actually being in Japan. I'm your host, Chris Broad, and we're joined by top London radio DJ and certified, certified, <laughs> certified <laughs> Japanophile, Mr. Pete Donaldson, pie master. Yeah. Pete, how you doing? Who doesn't like certified. a pie, Chris? That's what I'm saying. <laughs> Who doesn't like a pie? How you doing, man? Uh, Chris, I don't want to upset you or uh, disturb you, but I am topless. I am shirtless at the moment. It's very hot in the studio and there's no one around because it's the end of the World <laughs> oh. Cup and a lot of my business is World Cup business. Uh, and so I've taken my top off. But do you have a pie? I don't have a pie. Now that you are certified. A certified man. I don't know how that came out. (laughs) I've been saying certified Japanophile for like, what, 50 times now. I don't know how many times we've done this podcast, like 25 times. 25 times, And that's the first time I somehow bungled it with certified. (laughs) But somehow I quite prefer certified. Yeah, I think so. uh, That could be your YouTube channel name when you go into the world of pies. (laughs) Certified Pete. A pie in Japan. And I just go around um, searching for pies. Uh, Ramen pie. (laughs) Katsuobashi pie. Can't Um, What was that thing I sent you last night that I... um, Is it Dango? That horrible mochi-related nonsense. Yeah, so it's like... uh, Dango is a, a rice... Dessert, a rice kind of cake dessert. It's rice mm. that's been beaten up into mochi, kind of yeah. fluffy, sticky substance, bit of sugar, and then whacked on a stick. And you, Pete Donaldson, ladies and gentlemen, sent me a picture of Dango, uh, of this, this lovely Japanese thing that's been in the back of his fridge for God knows how long. Oh, no. How no, long no. was it in there? No, you are, no you're, you're thinking that that's been in my fridge. Uh, no, that was a picture I found uh, from the past and sent you it to sort of say, I bought this, and it was ah. disgusting. Because I thought it was going like to be caramel fl- Well, I thought, I was expecting it to be caramel-flavoured, because it looked like, you know those um, kind of milky caramel desserts you occasionally get when you... Yeah, uh, they kind of glaze it in a kind of <laughs> yeah. sweet soy sauce. Yeah. Kind of, yeah. So I wasn't sauce, expecting yeah. it, and I remember sort of walking around um, Harajuku going, this is disgusting, who would even eat this? And then I was. Oh, uh, I would. <laughs> yes, you would. Yes, you would. I love it. I used to, uh, yeah, I used to get them actually from the supermarket. I would have it as my kind of dessert. But then I always felt a bit tired afterwards, binging on like rice on a stick. Very starchy. It's, uh, it, 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 it's good. I like it. It took mm. a few years for me to actually learn to like it. But uh, yeah, if you're in Japan, ladies and gentlemen, you see Dango, give it a try. 
See Dango, eat Dango. Dango <laughs> Unchained in your mouth. I, know, I knew that was going to come up somehow. <laughs> it's easy, easy peasy, isn't it? There's a band called uh, Django Django, so Dango Dango. Um, I was watching uh, one of your uh, brethren on uh, Tokyo Creative eating foods that to foreign palates is actually quite unpalatable. I'm not being funny. She wasn't great at it. She didn't like any of the food she was eating pretty much. The dried octopus, the seaweed, the uh, natto. She had no uh, ruck with the uh, natto. Uh, and also something I don't think I've ever tried, uh, umeboshi. Uh, umeboshi, oh is my like a, Christ, Is it like a pickled, pickled fruit or something? It's like, uh, yeah, it's a, a cherry. It's a sour cherry or plum. Sorry, plum. It's a right. sour plum and you put it in your mouth and it's the most sour thing I've ever had. I've had uh, warheads, you know, the kind of yeah, American yeah, yeah, yeah. sour candy. It's like that times five. You put it in your mouth and it's like your mouth just implodes. <laughs> And your whole mouth's flooded with saliva, and it's just horrible. So <laughs> I can't eat it. Fair play to Emma, Tokidoki Traveller Emma. She can't eat it. <laughs> uh, I haven't watched that video, though, so she couldn't manage octopus, well, she dried ate, seaweed, she ate everything, natto. But she, didn't enjoy, she didn't enjoy natto in particular. Um, but the umeboshi, like, I think I might have had it. I, is it particularly drying on the mouth? It's quite popular in um, onigiri. Like you get a rice ball with it in the middle of it. I don't. Again, I don't know who oh, would I have like had that. It. Yes, I have had it in one of those little um, rice um, triangles. Rice triangle. Yeah, I, I've never really understood the appeal of it. I've never understood the appeal of natto. Mm. Uh, dried seaweed doesn't really do a lot for me either. Octopus as well. If it's battered, maybe, but mm. on its own, yeah. So I'm I'm on her side. I mean, I don't know <laughs> about you. Which which of those would you actually enjoy eating then? Um, I told you before, I've acquired a taste of, nat- of natto. I mean, nobody enjoys any of those foods that were on the list, to be honest. But, <laughs> but it's one of those things where you go, uh, I mean, if you had like a lineup, I wouldn't choose to have it. And she had the red bean paste as well that you always find. If you ever buy matcha ice cream, which is kind of the thing in London of summer of 2018, everything has Green got matcha in it. Everything's matcha ice cream. Everything's like uh, matcha, mochi, whatever. Um, and mm. uh, they always... If you ever have a, like a Japanese dessert, they will always hide bloody red bean inside. You think you're expecting like chocolate or strawberry sauce, and it's always bloody red bean paste every single bloody time. What you don't like red bean paste? I, again, it's one of those things that I've acquired a taste for. But for anyone who's like yeah. not expecting it, they're like, "Oh my god, what the? This chocolate has gone off." <laughs> right? Yeah, kind of anticlimactic. Hugely you're expecting chocolate, and it's not it's something healthy. Hugely. <laughs> oh man. So what have we got on the uh, menu today? Not been a good a good week or two for Japan, has it? No. Um, I thought today we would touch upon natural disasters in Japan, and mm. it was triggered by an email or a message I got from someone, uh, a viewer, who said, uh, Hi, Chris, I'm coming to teach in Japan soon, and I have a question about moving there. Are natural disasters like earthquakes and landslides often? Uh, are they something that I should be worried about? Um, and this is a kind of message, an email I get quite often when there's a serious natural disaster. So mm. this week we've had flooding, uh, floods everywhere down south, uh, and also now a heat wave, which has been causing problems. But first things first, the flood. So last week uh, in West Japan, pr- pretty much kind of Hiroshima, uh, Shikoku, Kyushu down the south, uh, they got 50 centimetres of rain uh, in just like one day. 50 centimetres, half a metre of rain. Mm. Uh, because the rain landed in the mountains, it came down in the form of a flash flood, right? Kind of funnelled down the mountains and swept over lots of rural villages and towns. Uh, it killed 200 people. It led to a quarter of a million people without water in Hiroshima. 
uh, and 5,000 people in shelters. And it's quite a surprising event, you know. Mm. It's one of the things that you don't really expect to happen in Japan is flooding on that scale. It's usually an earthquake, a tsunami, a typhoon or a volcano. Uh, so this one's kind of an odd one. And uh, our very own Ryotaro <laughs> got caught up in it because he was giving a seminar. Ryotaro is a travelling consultant. He yeah. goes to companies around Japan and kind of teaches them how to interact better with foreign customers. Anyway, he was down in Hiroshima giving a seminar, uh, and about two hours before his seminar was about to start, they said, sorry, Ryotaro, uh, you're going to have to cancel it. The village town hall where you're doing the presentation is being turn- turned into a shelter uh, uh, because of the flooding. Yeah. So he got caught up in it. Um, so, yeah, it's been a pretty big deal. Um, and then straight after that, just as people were trying to get over that, a heat wave turned up and has kind of led to 2,000 people going to hospital with heat strokes, eight people are dead, uh, and it's kind of all in the media at the moment, in the social media, people complaining about the heat, and it is brutal. Yeah. I had a friend in the UK who, was, who messaged me the other day saying, oh, it's so hot here, it's 20 degrees, and I was like, yeah, it's 38 degrees here. Yeah. So Bloody hell. I, I'm not particularly sympathetic to people no. of the UK at the moment, including you, Mr. <laughs> shirtless Pete Donaldson. Mr. Shirtless Pete Donaldson. Yeah, it has been very hot here in London, and yeah, it has been approaching like 30 degrees, which for us is fairly difficult because we don't have air conditioning. Obviously, Japan does, and America and places like that. True. We just don't have air conditioning, so it's actually quite. It's been quite difficult, and there has been um, medical problems, but nothing to the scale of you know 39 degrees. And it always hits the elderly first. That's the that's the sad thing, and. Obviously, with Japan's mm. ageing population, I imagine that's a bigger stress Absolutely. on these services than, than anywhere else in the world. And they, the actual um, rainfall, I read something that it was like a month's worth of rainfall in half an hour. Now, you plan for like, uh, <laughs> you, you plan your infrastructure around uh, things happening and things not happening. There's no way mm. you can plan for that. That's insane amounts no. of uh, water. Well, I remember when you were here uh, last year and it... Remember we went, we went and did uh, some radio, some local radio in Yamagata. Oh Yamagasa. yes, yes. That... We had a whale of a time. There we were, <laughs> and then we ended. We came out, and it absolutely—I've never seen rain like that in my life. We were going to walk just like one block back to our hotel, <laughs> but the rain was so bad that we we couldn't. We had to get a taxi, and even though the taxi stopped right in front of our hotel, <laughs> and there was about three steps. By the time we got out of the taxi and into the hotel, we were soaked through. And I remember vividly that you were so soaked in those three steps that you decided to go back out into the street and dance in the rain. I'm going to dig out that video and put it on Twitter uh, for all to see. But uh, So, yeah, these things happen. It's the sort of rain that I've never seen in the UK. I don't know why it's so much more severe here, something to do with the currents, the weather, I don't know. But it is. it really takes you off guard. Yeah. It's really brutal kind of weather. You can get an umbrella out. But it'll do nothing because the rain is so hard, it bounces back off the pavement yeah. uh, and wets you up until your waist anyway. So kind of umbrellas don't really work against this kind of rain. Yeah, I, I find that the, the, the drops just seem bigger. Like, you know, like, I, I don't know <laughs> what it is. Like, yeah, they, they seem, seem bigger and because it's warm, you never really get dry and it's just a bit, oh, mm. goodness. But, um, I mean, drop. I, I would say if you're coming to Japan or going to Japan for... Um, like a holiday and you're expecting wall-to-wall sunshine, you probably will be disappointed at some point because for a couple of days it will just <laughs> rain. But the thing is it'll rain for an hour, get it out of its system, and then just move on. The sun might come out after that. Fingers crossed. Fingers I mean, crossed. I, I, I must admit, 
I took it. I factored it in for the uh, the upcoming cycle, right? Yes. I, I wanted it in September because that's the perfect kind of temperature, not mm. too hot, not too cold. But it's one of the wettest months, right, in the calendar. Uh, so I had to do it in October in the end. And even then, October's pretty kind of a wet month as well. Mm. So I'm pretty. I'm quite worried that I'm going to be cycling through somewhere and then it's going to downpour, <laughs> and then I'm going to drown on a bicycle <laughs> or just. The whole like if it happens for like a week and on stops, it's going to ruin everything. Because how can I make a video yeah. like, out in the rain? Or maybe it'll be more entertaining for viewers watching me swear non-stop for seven days straight in the rain. But Just, yeah, it's something that I'm a bit worried about. I'm looking forward to you standing soaking wet in big camera, trying to get replacement lenses and camera equipment, <laughs> crying. I bet you are <laughs> horrible boy. Horrible but boy. I thought we would uh, touch upon some of Japan's natural disasters and have a quick look. Mm. And see how dangerous how dangerous Japan is in terms of natural disasters. Now the country's ranked uh, as one of the most volatile countries in terms of natural disasters. Mm. That's probably no surprise to most uh, listeners, given that uh, Japan does have earthquakes, volcanoes, tsunamis, typhoons. It's on two major plates, uh, as well as being kind of precariously positioned in terms of the weather. So it it does get pretty much every natural disaster you could think of. Uh, have you experienced any of those, Pete? No, in, I've... Well, in Japan or, or anywhere The only um, adverse conditions has been just a little bit of rain every now and again. I've never experienced an earthquake. <laughs> it's no small wonder that the Japanese aren't particularly religious because if you believed in a god, you'd be a bit <laughs> confused about as to why God sees fit to try and murder its citizens every few months with an earthquake, uh, for crying out loud. So, yeah, it's, it's, it's an interesting uh, dynamic there. Literal dynamic. Very true. Very true. I mean, we've had... Uh, since 1995, there's been three major earthquakes. Mm. Uh, the first one was the Great Hanshin Kobe earthquake in 1995, which we talked about. We touched, touched upon it a few weeks ago because yeah. there was another earthquake near Osaka, which uh, Natsuki found himself caught up in, at least in terms of not getting on the train because it was cancelled. <laughs> um, but the reason, I mean, 6,400 people died in the Hanshin earthquake, which is a big number. But one of the reasons was most of the buildings that did collapse were built before the new kind of anti-seismic design standard came into effect. Um, the uh, One of the most impressive things about earthquakes, including the 2011 Tohoku earthquake, uh, was just that you never really heard about any buildings coming down. Mm. In fact, of the 15,000 people that were killed in the disaster, 92% of those casualties, those those who died, uh, were due to the tsunami, right? So, right. Tsunami is far more dangerous than earthquakes. Uh, and you can see videos. You've probably seen videos of the Shinjuku skyline rocking backwards and forwards. I would not want to be in a skyscraper in Tokyo when there's an earthquake. It's absolutely terrifying. If you haven't seen it, go on YouTube, have a look. Um, Shinjuku skyline, Tohoku earthquake, 2011. And you can see them rocking, I think, up to I think two foot, three foot backwards and forwards, like Ooh, a rocking horse. I don't like that at all. It, what would it be like being up there? <laughs> Not very horrible. nice. And and yeah, because you, I know you get told all of these things that that you know the, the that these buildings are um uh are weighted in a certain way and tethered in a certain way and their foundations are mm. a little bit different to anywhere else in the world, but there's still something very upsetting. And also, like <laughs> you, you must um, there must be so many people who are like after the earthquake inspectors who were just kind of like who just go in and check foundations and check. Um, how yeah, secure yeah. buildings are and stuff. It's crazy. 
I hope there are, because the building <laughs> I'm in, the apartment block I live in, built in the 1980s, and it rocks like the dickens. Like really? when there's an earthquake, it's you really feel it. I'm on the fourth story, and it's just horrible. Like even now, it scares me a little bit. Mm. Like uh, as I've mentioned before, when I moved to Sendai, I was shocked by the number of earthquakes I felt because over in Yamagata on the uh, on the west coast. There aren't half as many. I don't know why. I think maybe because Sendai is closer to the plate or mm. something. Um, but yeah, it's, it scared me a lot. There's a lot more earthquakes. They're far more frequent over this side. Although that said, uh, in Sakata, the town I used to live in, Yamagata, there was an earthquake once, my uh, my friend told me about, where uh, a crack appeared in the ground and a little girl fell down the hole and then the crack sealed up again. What? Like a, like a Roland Emmerich film. Like 2012 or something. It's a horrible, horrible thing to picture. That is unspeakable. So you're never safe Ugh. in Japan. <laughs> it's insane. But, I mean, we've had three major earthquakes. So we had the Tohoku 2011 earthquake. There was also the uh, Kumamoto earthquake 2016, which a lot of people may recall. Uh, 40 people died, but it did level. That did level quite a few buildings and caused quite a lot of problems down south. But those are, you know, three major earthquakes in the last two decades. Uh, and whilst we did the worst one, 15,000 casualties, again, that was thanks to thanks to the tsunami. That was due to the tsunami. Mm. Um, but if you compare that to the 2004 Indian Ocean earthquake and tsunami, that killed 260,000 people. Yeah. Um, now, that is obviously because that was in the third world primarily. But Japan, it, you know... It's it's adapted pretty well to natural disasters. And I've never really felt threatened in the time that I've been here in the last six years. I've not really felt threatened by it. And most people you talk to in everyday life don't even think about it. If something happens, it happens, and you'll have to deal with it afterwards. But for the most part, people don't worry about it. And I would mm. never let it stop you, anybody listening, who's considering coming here. I wouldn't let it stand in the way of you coming to Japan. Don't let that, like, don't let that stand in the way. Because no. it's not going to be as big an issue as you think it will. Yeah, and, and, and like... Uh, and then there's the volcanoes. Yeah. <laughs> which, another, a whole other kettle of fish. But again, we've, there's not been that many incidents there. We had uh, Mount Ontake, which erupted in central Honshu, between Nagoya and uh, Tokyo. That went off in 2014, and that killed 63 people who were on the, on the volcano climbing it, because it's a popular climbing spot. But... Uh, Again, yeah, volcanoes haven't caused too much damage over the last two decades either. Mm. I can only sort of go on my own sort of experiences, but like London, for example, we don't have natural disasters, something that has affected tourism and affected the way that, say, Americans see coming to London to visit or coming to Europe to visit, really. Uh, international mm. terrorism, ISIS, all that, all that nonsense. Um, you know, young men blowing themselves up or, or um, nonsense. you know, knife attacks and shit like that. Um, yeah. I, I, I think I sort of witnessed after 7-7 where I think... 20 people died, 50, 60 people injured uh, on the tube when uh, mm, a mm. few suicide bombers uh, blew, up, blew themselves up and, and part of the train. I saw London come back to life and I saw London kind of uh, recover. It was a long road to recovery. You know, just the, the, the simple act of getting to work was quite a tense one. Some younger people, some younger people who'd sort of moved to London, they'd never seen terrorism in London. And so I witnessed them mm, sort mm. of firsthand um, dealing with stuff like the London Bridge attacks, the um, Borough Market attacks. Uh, and stuff like that, and and Westminster Bridge, etc. And they they were really scared. These, these young guys, these young girls were really, really scared, and they were like, "Oh my god, I don't want to live here anymore." And at the time, well, I just sort of said, "Play the percentages for crying out loud! Don't let 
them win. Don't let the earthquakes win. Don't let the volcanoes win. Uh, like, not that they're a, a sentient being or anything, but like, play the percentages. How many people live in Japan? How many people live in Tokyo? How many people live in, in Kobe? How many people live here and there and everywhere? Um, mm, it's mm, almost mm. arrogant to think you're going to be caught up in it. It's almost arrogant to think you're going to lose your life. It's almost arrogant to think you are going to be the one who's uh, affected in any small way uh, with it. So mm. if it happens, it happens. If it doesn't, you can't live your life like that, can you? No, absolutely. I, it's, it would be ridiculous to live your life in fear of things like that. Mm. Although, I mean, when we were doing Natsuki the movie, we crossed, we filmed on London Bridge. Yeah. And I think I can't remember. I think we were joking like, oh, imagine if there was a terrorist attack here. You know, that, how awful would that be? And then it happened uh, yeah. about a week later. We were like, oh, God, uh, some absolute idiot got in his car and drove over some people. Uh, caused all sorts of issues there. And then when we were in Paris, uh, a few days after that, uh, we went to Notre Dame and filmed in that area. And then just a few days later, there was some crazy guy, some terrorist with an axe or something, going around mm. there, threatening uh, police officers. So it's, it's yeah, these things are do seem to pop up. But I've passed through the airport at Turkey after it got bombed. I, got, I passed through the airport in uh, Brussels, which also got bombed the other year, mm. just after it happened. I went through Nice, where there was a, that terrible incident with the truck. Passed through all sorts of locations where things have happened, but you just can't let it get to you. You can't, you can't let it get and... to you, and you, and you forget that um, a lot of the world has to deal with this upheaval, this um, displacement, and these problems every day of their lives. And if we're getting a little taste of it, it's only what the rest of the world experiences on, on a daily basis. And uh, mm. I think we should be thanking our lucky stars uh, that we don't experience it more. Absolutely. Only thing that scares me is bears. <laughs> bears. Got a ring. Got a ring. Bears. The bell. <laughs> well, I like bears, but there is a genuine risk. Like I remember when we were nearly, nearly every time you're in a forest in Japan, there's always a big sign saying "Be careful, bears," mm. and I'm like, <gasps> bears. <laughs> uh, and again, I've got the statistics of bear deaths. Bear deaths. The worst year in Japan, 2006. Three people were killed by black bears. And 136 were injured. Holy moly. So if you do meet a bear, odds are you'll survive. But it might be a bit painful. <laughs> but I, I must admit, yeah. it does make me a bit wary. I remember I used to cycle uh, on the plane where I lived in Yamagata. And I'd, I'd cycle towards the mountains. I'd start going up into the mountains. And then I'd just see a sign with a picture of a bear on. And I'd be like, fuck <laughs> that. And sort of turned around and went back onto the plane. Well, they say, um, that they, they, say they don't attack um, out of necessity. They just attack if they're scared. Um, and you're supposed to like ring your ring your bell as you go around the corner so that they scarper. That's right. Yeah, when we were tre- when we were doing um, kind of a, a forest trekking in Almori, the day of the North Korean missile, ah. I've, as I mentioned, we uh, we were going through the forest, and every time we turned a corner, the guide had to uh, he, he just clapped his hands really loudly and shouted. <laughs> and I didn't know why he was doing it first. I was like, "Is he mental? What's going on here?" <laughs> And then he was like, bears. And I was like, oh, bears? And apparently you have to do it every time you turn a corner because ah. you don't want to turn the corner, startle them, and have an awkward situation with a bear. Interestingly, though, he didn't have a... He didn't, in terms of uh, protection against the black bears, mm. he didn't have a gun or anything. He no. had like a little spray, a bear spray. A that bear spray? Like lynx. Yeah, it looked like lynx or something. A bit of lynx Africa. Lynx Africa. <laughs> bit of axe yeah, Africa. <laughs> lynx, lynx Africa deodorant. He had a spray, and I was like... Is that going to help us against the might of a black bear? <laughs> I, uh, think, I, think mace, I think mace would work the same, but you're more likely to spray yourself in the face, aren't you, really? I probably would. Yeah. <laughs> I'd, I'd, Take it's, this it's, bitch! <laughs> oh, fuck! 
I'd instantly get it in my own mouth. Oh, spicy. Do you know what bear is in Japanese? Ooh. I haven't tested you on your Japanese in a while. No, you haven't um, actually. Because we haven't naughty. had enough time in these recent <laughs> podcasts. But do you know what bear is in Japanese? I don't know what bear is. All right, so the word is kuma. 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 Oh, that's nice. K-U-M-A. Kuma. Yeah, it's nice. nice. It's kind of cute, isn't it? What's what's fox again? Yeah. Kitsune. Oh, Kitsune. Yes. Kitsune Mason, I think, might be a some kind of record company. <laughs> might be one of the markets. So, well, next time you're uh, walking through a forest in Japan... Beer in hand, because let's face it, you're, you're Pete Dolson. Oh, You'll be in a forest so with a beer, enjoying yourself, topless, shirtless, no less. Uh, and you hear a Japanese man running towards you going, Kuma, Kuma, Abunayo. You'll be like, what's that? At least you'll know now what he's talking about as he runs past you in desperation. Kuma, Kuma. You're prepared for that very situation. Mm, as I sip my one cup. Sake, one cup sake, one, one hand. Bear, bear in the other. <laughs> I just throw that in his face. He'd be like, ah, oh, dirty. <laughs> Disgusting. It does taste pretty horrible. <laughs> I, one cup sake. You, do you actually like that stuff? No, I, drink I think it? I think uh, I think I might have mentioned on this podcast before. I um, on the first night in Japan, uh, this girl who was showing me around said, "I'll oh, meet us in Shinji, uh, Yoyogi Park, and we'll we'll have like a little picnic with all the other um, mm. mates of his, hers." And I turned up with a couple of drinks, both of which were one cup sake, and everyone laughed at me <laughs> like I was some kind of weird alky. <laughs> It's like drinking special brew. You, you absolute peasant. <laughs> if you turned up to to my party with one cup of sake, you wouldn't be coming through the door, mate. It'd be one of the big but ones. I, I, do, I mean, it's all right. It's manageable. If it's your first time drinking sake, I think you could get through it. I think you yeah. could yeah. yeah, yeah. I mean, you would have to, wouldn't you? It's one of those, things, well, it's one of those drinks yeah. that I think seems more alcoholic than it is because it's just so aggressive and it tastes like petrol. Whenever I've stayed in an Airbnb, there's always been... <laughs> A discarded, unopened, um, big can, jumbo can of uh, one cup sake <laughs> from Asahi <laughs> in the cupboard because someone's bought one and went, oh, I'm not drinking the other one, that's disgusting. The drink of choice for Airbnb. <laughs> <laughs> Airbnb customers. Hugely. Brilliant. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavourless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well... Hello Fresh is your guilt free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is PlushCare. PlushCare is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? Sleep Number Smart Beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. 
J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 50% on the Sleep Number Limited Edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at a Sleep Number store or sleepnumber.com. This show is sponsored by BetterHelp. In our daily lives, we all carry around with us different stressors. They can be big, they can be small, and sometimes we might not even realize that we're carrying them around with us. But if these feelings stay bottled up, they can start to affect us negatively, which is why having a positive outlet for discussion can be such a valuable tool for your well-being. Therapy can be a perfect outlet for your inner stressors. It's a safe space to get things off your chest and to figure out how to work through whatever's weighing you down. Sometimes just speaking things out into the open can be such a great release of inner tension. So you can spend less time stressing about the issue and more time figuring out how you can overcome it. So if you're thinking of starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online and designed to be convenient, flexible and suited to your schedule. Just fill out a brief questionnaire to get matched with a licensed therapist and switch therapists at any time for no additional charge. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit BetterHelp.com forward slash Japan today to get 10% off your first month. That's BetterHelp, H-E-L-P dot com forward slash Japan. And to my surprise, I stumbled across a secret sexy club. Wow. Let's dive into the fax machine. Mm. You guys have sent in, as always, lots of awesome questions and emails. Uh, what have we got, Pete? What have we got to go with today? Well, we're going to kick off with uh, Gabby, who got in touch via the email address, which is, of course, abroad in Japan podcast at gmail.com. I was going to say it myself. Oh, sorry. It's Chris, my job. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, Chris and Pete. Hope you are both doing well. We are. I'm topless. I had a question since I'm about to have a Japanese roommate. I'm a college student in America, and we'll be sharing an apartment with four other students, one of which uh, is a Japanese student who is studying here for a year. I was wondering about the general take people have on foreigners watching anime. The general reaction here is being called a weeb or weebo or weeboo uh, or something along those lines. Is it different in Japan, though? I'm a bit embarrassed about it and wondered if it would negatively impact their perception of me if they found out about my weebism. Uh, also, is there anything I can do to help her feel more comfortable here? Gabby? Mm, you know what a weeboo is, right? You've heard this word before, because oh, I hadn't heard yeah. it until four years ago. It's the sort of thing you hear yeah. on 4chan quite a lot, along, along with um, uh, yeah. waifu and stuff. That's right. I mean, it, it, it's kind of like otaku, someone who's mm. geeky. But to the extreme, with a weeboo, the, the definition of weeboo is somebody who kind of renounces their own culture. Mm. in favour of Japanese culture and kind of wants to become totally Japanese. And I've probably met, in my six years here, I've met maybe three or four people that are like that, and they are a little bit weird. <laughs> uh, but often people that refer to themselves as weirboos aren't weirboos. They're just like using the word. They're more like otakus. Mm. And going to Gabby's question, I don't think a Japanese roommate's going to think you're weird just by watching anime or manga. Like, uh, I've got lots of friends who are otaku kind of people who are... A little bit geeky, and they're pretty open about that. It's The problem with otakus is that image, isn't it, of being somebody who's not socially very good. It's mm. a bit introvert. Yeah. So, you know, it doesn't matter if you're a geek. As long as you still talk to your roommate uh, and are actually just a nice person, I don't think it'll be an issue, you know, if that makes sense. Hugely, hugely. And also, like, you sort of look at it and sort of go, well, if you're into something, if you're um, not fanatical, but if you're 
uh, into something, that makes you a more interesting person. And, you know, they'll be familiar with some of the culture. They'll be familiar with some of the situations the characters find themselves in. So it's not like... And, and you know, chances are yeah. they might quite like a bit of anime every now and again too. Absolutely. So, I mean, your last question was, uh, is there anything I can do to help her feel more comfortable here? I don't know. Maybe invite her to watch some anime or speak to, some, speak to her in some Japanese. Mm. Uh, or, I don't know, give her some umeboshi. Some sour plums. Uh, I'll, I'll talk it. to her about um, bears, uh, the Japanese, yes, which I have bears. instantly forgotten. Kuma. Kuma. God damn it, Pete. Oh. That word's going to save your life <laughs> when, in September when you come here. Bears don't know Kuma. what they're called. Bears don't even know they're Japanese. I've never seen a dog in uh, in Japan and thinking, does that dog know it's Japanese? That's a profound question. It is, isn't it? Like, do androids dream of electric sheep? Pretty deep. Do Japanese dogs think they're Japanese? Uh, right, next question is from Harvey. He says, hey guys, any thoughts on racism in Japan? A fun one. Uh, any uh. personal experiences or things you've witnessed... What's the general attitude towards uh, people of other ethnicities, considering the lack of diversity? Uh, sorry for not having a more positive question. It would be cool to hear your thoughts. Cheers, Harvey. Pete, what ex- what racism have you experienced? Well, uh, people of uh, people of colour have a very different experience. Mm. They move through the world very differently uh, to any of us. Uh, and so, I, I mean, mm, I wouldn't like mm. to comment about what um, black experiences are in uh, Japan. Um, anecdotally... I've not seen much of it. I imagine uh, there's a few more kind of um, kind of gossipy kind of situations when you're walking through uh, the more rural settings if you're if you're a person mm. of colour. But there's probably close to the same amount if you're a, if you're a um, gaijin uh, walking through that I same think, space. So um, I, I don't I think, think it's a, it, it would be a massive deal. You know, nine times out of ten, you're a foreigner, whatever the hell uh, goes on. To be honest, have you never been on a on public transport in Japan and found there's an empty seat next to you, despite the train or bus being really busy? Because that's a pretty common thing. Oh, really? And I wouldn't okay. go. I don't know if I'd call that racism, but it's certainly uh, a sign of something there. You know. I mean, I do blow off quite a lot, <laughs> so I Brilliant. just assume it's that. But it's oh, no, disgrace. no, I've never, like, no, I've never experienced. That's that something too. I experience frequently. Right. Even you know, I get that every day when I'm on a bus or train. There's always one empty seat next to me. Oh, I see. Um, and I think it's just a lot of people don't... A lot of people in Japan don't encounter foreigners that often unless mm. they're in a major city like yeah. Tokyo or Osaka. Uh, so if there's an empty seat next to a foreigner, maybe it's just easier to stand because you don't know what's going to happen. <laughs> I think maybe that's the thinking. I don't know. Well, um, you might suddenly flip that uncertainty. out and start shouting, Bears! Bears! Oh, that man's mad. <laughs> Like Tourette's yeah. with bears, yes. <laughs> I <laughs> I think, yeah, I mean, Japan is a high uncertainty avoidance culture, so they don't like uncertainty. Right. And being, sitting next to a foreigner on a train or a bus represents the highest level of uncertainty, mm. potentially, you know. <laughs> um, but in terms of racism, no, I haven't really experienced that much. Uh, as I've mentioned before, a lot of people often cite the uh, signs on doors where they say, like, no foreigners allowed. Mm-hmm. Um, but often that's just because the people that run the shop are either terrified of speaking English and don't feel they can provide top-level service quality because they can't mm. communicate with their customers, or it's just some shady Yakuza or it's kind of a gentleman's little club, it's just mm. a, a kind of local club of people that don't want outside people just walking in randomly. So there's usually something there. It's not yeah. that people are just inherently racist. So. Yeah, I've not really had that many experiences here. If I had, I would be the first to talk about it. I'd be the first to bring it up. And I do know my fr- a friend of mine who's who's black. He says he's been stopped by the police um, 
relatively frequently. Right. Um, I think more than white, just white foreigners living mm. in Japan. Yeah. So that's a factor. But uh, yeah, I, and I can't speak for him really. I can't speak for them. But uh, um, generally, I don't think you'll find it's an issue if you come here. I really don't. And we, and we think that um, policemen stopping uh, people of colour uh, in Japan <laughs> is an issue. Well, it's yeah, just as much of an issue everywhere else in the world as well because Absolutely. the world is yeah. frequently shit. And people are scum. Quote of the day, quote of the day. People are scum, people are scum. Are people scum? That'll be the title of the podcast. (laughs) Uh, Last question, Pete. What have we got? Adam from Melbourne. Oh, hello, Adam. Good day, Pete and Chris. (laughs) I reckon this person is from Melbourne, as you just said. Uh, Love your show. I listen to it every week while driving. While I'm on the subject of driving, Chris, I love road tripping in other countries and really want to drive around in Japan, but I've heard from many people that it won't be an option for me because it's so expensive, mainly due to tolls. I watched your old video about driving in Japan and wondered, what is your opinion? Cheers, mate. Cheers, mate. Pricey. He's right. Is it? Adam's spot on. It is pricey. Yeah. yeah. It's, it is. Like, it costs from here to the other side of, um, the other coast of Japan, yeah. Yamagata, where I used to live, two or three hours. I think it costs like $60 or something like that, $60. And that's then there's that's just on tolls. And then yeah. you've got petrol and fuel and stuff. So... It's pricey, especially coming from the UK where we love just not having tolls. Well, yeah. I used to frequently drive around uh, the UK and it's just so nice not having to worry about tolls. But yeah, it is an issue. But at the same time, I find that if you do drive on highways around Japan, you do miss all the best bits because mm. the highways, uh, they go through tunnels a lot of the time. They're elevated so you can't see things. Like right. If you're on a highway driving through Japan, you do miss a lot of the scenery. So... My advice, avoid the highways, go down the back streets and you'll see and experience a lot more diversity and a lot more interesting places, you know. Hugely. But it Excellent is it is pricey. Place. I remember I remember driving all the way down from Yamagata to Osaka once and it was like two hundred dollars or something. Two hundred dollars. And so on the way back I uh I vowed to take the country roads and avoid all the highways. <laughs> and the journey went from being fourteen hours going to being like three days returning, <laughs> and I, I ended up getting I actually ended up getting lost near Mount Ontake, the volcano that we just talked about. It was 2014. It was a few months after the eruption, and I started driving up towards Mount Ontake because I took a wrong turn, and I, I remember driving for a few kilometres up towards the volcano, uh, and I thought this is a bit wrong. It just doesn't seem right. I haven't seen any cars in a long time, and then I just hit this wall, this barrier. And it was like loads of warning signs saying, Mount Ontake, don't keep going. Like, you can't go further than this. And I had to turn around and go all the way back. Uh, and eventually I did cave in halfway through the trip. I did just take the highway because I was like, screw this. <laughs> I need to get back. And uh, yes, I don't want to get lost in any more volcanoes. So don't. It's <laughs> my advice, Adam. Steer clear of the volcanoes if you do go on the, uh, if you do go on a road trip. <laughs> and don't drive into Tip any, presumably, as well. <laughs> don't drive into any. No. But yes, uh, do send us your questions in, guys, to abroadjapanpodcast at gmail.com. That's all for now, though, isn't it, Pete? We're off now. You're off yeah, to get your shirt back on and do something productive, I hope. Uh, I want to go outside and have an ice cream. I might just have a nice lolly, in fact. Or maybe. Do you remember oysters, Chris? Do you remember, like, oysters? They were, what? like, um, the shape of an oyster. <laughs> but it was, like, the... Ice cream? The, yeah, it's like a, it was, like, a kind of, like, an oyster ship sort of thing. It had mallow in the bottom. Yeah. And then you'd have ice cream on top of it. You go and do that, and I'll go and drink some coffee. 
All right, darling. Okay. Well, we'll speak We'll be back next same week. time next week, guys, on Wednesday. But for now, no matter where you might be out there in the big wide world, enjoy yourself, have a great week, and we'll see you next Wednesday. Bye, everyone. Bye, Pete. Bye. catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic-butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply.